This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Final Fantasy Lorecast, a podcast dedicated to the history and lore of the Final Fantasy series. Join us as we take a deep dive into the different worlds, characters, and so much more. Welcome back, Warriors of Light, to another episode of the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, followed by my two other hosts, Steven. Yo! And Trey. Hello! And as we are currently still in our Season 2, we are still going over the various summons of the series, and we first went over Ifrit, then Shiva... Today, we are going to go over another major element summon, which is Garuda. And if you played any of the recent Final Fantasies, Garuda has actually a pivotal role in some of the newer games. Yeah, 14, more than usual. For, mainly 14 and 16. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I don't really remember Garuda ever except for 16 but in 16 just unbelievably important and is uh played by uh it's you know i don't want to say too much because it's not really that but just the character that it goes along with is and just it's so excellent all yes. around so Gar- garuda went from i did not i couldn't have cared less about garuda until 16 and then 16 happened and it was like boom one of my favorites right it, it, it yes in some of the awesome other though. games it's literally like just a common she's literally like a common enemy in at yes. least one that I'm looking at right now. That that's also true. So, um to kick things off, Garuda is a reoccurring creature in the Final Fantasy series, first introduced in Final Fantasy three. Initially depicted as a strong enemy with various bird like attributes and lightning elemental attacks, the creature transcended into a role of reoccurring wind elemental summon with its design solidifying as a female humanoid bird monster. So, there you have it. Um, it it's a bird. It, it's essentially, Garuda is a harpy. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. literally what it is. That's literally what Garuda is. Uh, if you know mythology or, you know, the Witcher or anything like that, it's, it's, it's a harpy. Just a giant green harpy. That yeah, has magic. Some. And if you if you want to see what they look like in the games, just check out the Discord. I'm putting it in both the Bins and Friends and Robots Radio right now. Our man Sharp has once again come through with a graphic for what Garuda looks like in all of the games they are featured in. Shout out Sharp. And Sharp is actually in chat. So, hello Sharp. Howdy Sharp. <laughs> so, as I said earlier, uh, Garuda first appeared in Final Fantasy 3, just like all summons. So summoning started it with 3, because that's when they introduced the summoning class, or summoning job. So Garuda deba- uh, debuted as a character and boss in Final Fantasy 3 as an evil advisor to King Gorm of Saronia. Saronia? Saronia. Gigamet's mind controls the king, force him to pointlessly send his troops into battle against each other and exiling the prince Alas Rastar. When forced to attempt to kill his son, the king stabs himself 
to lift the curse of the Gigamets himself faces the Warrior's Light as Garuda. Words are hard today. Ugh. <laughs> and then Garuda in Final Fantasy 3 resembles a man with bird wings, feet, and head. In the artwork and 3D model of the remake, his body and plumage is colored white, while the Falcom and Pixel Remaster Sprites' body is green, while the plumage is yellow. It's notable for his lightning ability that deals significantly high damage to the player and the party, making the Dragoon's jump ability essential for winning the battle. There you go. A little strategy along with the lore. Yeah, and go Dragoons, because Dragoons are awesome. True. I think Dragoons get more love on this podcast than any other class in Final Fantasy. I mean, Dragoons are so iconic. Yeah, that's me and Ben's fault. We just love Dragoons. I'm not arguing against it. I, I also love Dragoons. It was just something that, that popped into my head I, I happened to notice. But <laughs> they do Garuda, Garuda seemed to be very, you know pretty important in Final Fantasy 3. How important uh, was Garuda the next time they showed up, Ben? Well, Garuda's next appearance doesn't happen until 7. So Garuda doesn't appear for... Three games games. until seven. Doesn't appear in any of Trey's favorite games. Nope, none at all. Four, five, and six. I don't know why. I don't know why you're you're saying that. Like it's a dig at me. No, they they, they aren't my favorites, but I do I do enjoy them. Yes. Yeah. So Garuda appears as an enemy in Final Fantasy VII, initially fought in the Dai Chao statue map. It appears as a green bird-like creature with human arms and capable of using ice and lightning elemental attacks. And that's it. Yeah. What do you mean that's it? They can use ice and lightning, (laughs) both. Yep. Super special. And then it does appear in the side game Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. Gruta appears as an enemy monster in the mission 9-4-6, only for the first class, and is capable of casting Tri-Thundraga. It appears as a large brown bird with pink-tipped wings and a long, long pole-arm-like beak. Yeah, it's yeah. like a hummingbird in Crisis Core. Pretty much. And then we skip another game. We don't have eight. We go straight to nine because Quinsatotl took the place of Garuda in eight for the wind attribute, which is Trey's, you know, favorite. Yeah. Happy, (laughs) happy for it to happen. (laughs) So with Final Fantasy nine, Garuda appears as both regular and friendly enemy. The regular enemy can cause wind damage to the entire party with aerial slash or reduce the party's HP to single digits with Maelstrom. Groot appears as a bird-like creature with a disproportionately large face and beak, large eyes, and green and blue feathers tipped with a red and head of pink hair. The friendly version's body coloration leans more towards the green, while its wing and tail feathers display a rainbow pattern. Yeah, so nine has a like a side quest kind of thing where you run into friendly monsters, and there's like I forget how many of them, like nine or ten, something like that. You have to give them a, a it's usually a piece of ore, and then they give you a whole bunch of AP as a reward, and then they say go say hi to this next one, 
and when you get to the next area, there'll be another friendly monster. So there's that one, and there's also a regular enemy, which hmm. is annoying to try and be like, oh, good, I finally, because you have to at one point track down all the friendly monsters in order to get to this one secret boss. And so you keep running into regular Rudas, and you're like, come on, I need the friendly one. <laughs> And then sounds like you know from experience. Oh yeah. yeah. And then now we get to Final Fantasy X. Garuda is a large bird-like enemy. During the party's first encounter with the enemy, Yuna summons a Valfor for the very first time. That's it. Yeah, it's super common enemy. You run into them all the time, and they're they're just a bird enemy that you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Okay, just walk against. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's both for Balefor and when the they do like the Waka. Oh, I'll get that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, introducing his style. And then, then we jump to Final Fantasy XI. So this is the first MMO. So there's a bit more lore for Garuda for the MMO. So Garuda appears in Final Fantasy XI as one of the eight celestial avatars, also known as Sleeping Gods, representing wind. Acting as the first appearance as a summon, Garuda takes the form of a green woman with bird-like features. As a summon, she is acquired from the Cloister of Gales at Cape Terrigan. She can cast a number of wind-based spells and abilities in addition to using her claws and physical, physical damage enemies. Perhaps one of her more commonly used abilities is Aerial Armor, where it gives every member of the party the effect of Blink or Hestega, which grants the haste to every member of the party and ex- exclusively available to Garuda. She, but she can also does have limited abilities that allow her to heal party members. Garuda is also highly respected for her Predator Claw attack, a devastatingly powerful strike that is often the summoner's staple attack for notorious monster fights. Garuda was a small bird like raised by a young prince. When the prince got attacked by a viper, Garuda looked to the means to cure him. Another bird informed her that she should should seek the aid of the kink birds. Who could awaken the healing wind? Voopchop. Garuda flew ever further upward, looking for the king of birds, but couldn't find him anywhere. Having reached the limits of her strength... She fell to th- from the sky, but her resolve was so powerful that she transformed during her fall, gaining a humanoid shape and regaining her vitality. She realized that she now had the power to heal the prince, and did so, leaving him up afterwards, as she no longer looked like the little bird that he raised. However, it is said that once the prince grew up, he managed to find her and marry her. Upon Garuda's death... Altana transformed into her, in, transformed her into the celestial avatar Wind because of her loyalty and devotion. Vuchap is the name of the brightest green color star of Gruta's constellation. As the enemy, Gruta Prime is the creature that must be defeated for a summoner to learn to cast forth uh, her forth as a summon. That is not only possible reward for defeating her. There you go. Yep. A little backstory for the summon. Oh, yeah. So, Gruta was a little tiny bird, flew off to get healing powers, and then transform into a humanoid creature with bird features. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just glad it went from the bird to the humanoid type creature because I'm not like I'm not against birds for summons. Again, I love Quinticottle. But I think the the version that we ended up with later on in the last couple games has definitely been the peak Garuda model. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Eleven's pretty cool too, as far as like it's definitely an improvement over Ten. Ten is a pretty dumb interpretation of. Oh yeah, I, I I'm a fan of Eleven's too. I, I didn't mean to to make it sound like I wasn't. But yeah, I that I more meant I like the shift they wanted, and they kind of went back in twelve, which we'll talk about in a minute. But then you know, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, it's more that eleven model that they they started with here that looks so appealing. Yeah, those three definitely have the best design out of out of all of them. Fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Yep. And then now we go to Final Fantasy twelve. So for Gerudo first appears as a boss outside the tomb of Rathwall. Despite this, it isn't classified as a boss in the clan primer since it appears as a regular enemy called Garuda Edgy later in the Farmina Rift. Which 12 yeah, I remember is that. 12. I remember that fight. Yeah, it's like your first big solo. It's like when they take the training wheels off and like now you have a boss. And it yeah you have that huge trek through the desert and then you finally get to that tomb and you're like all right I finally made it across all of this that took me forever and you get there and it is like you said a, the a real boss battle and I remember getting my butt kicked the first time I did it yeah yeah it's it's a lot if you're not prepared for it yep oh jeez. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what we got. And with that being said, we are going to go into our mid break. And welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of Final Fantasy. And at this point, I want to thank all of our patrons uh, for supporting us. Thank you so much. Um, and if you want to become a patron, you can join us on patreon.com slash Final Fantasy Lorecast to where you can uh, get ad-free episodes or even join us at the end of the month on an episode of your topic of your choosing. Last month was a lot of fun. We delved into a lot of the older, old-school Final Fantasy games that myself and Steven aren't accustomed to. But Trey is, so it was a fun episode, and it, it was a lot of fun. And I don't think it, it went as well as I, I... Better than I hoped, even. I was so glad... For, oh, how do you say it? Uh, it was Hylian Cubby. Hylian Cubby. Okay. Yeah, Hi- Hylian See, I, is not, Legend not be, of Zelda. Not being, not, being a, not being a Zelda guy, that, that one doesn't just roll off the tongue for me. But he was such a great Patreon to come on. Uh, it was a great topic. And I, I cannot wait for the next one. I, I'm just excited to see what that topic's going to be. Yeah. And if you can't support us on Patreon, you can also support us on Apple and Spotify. If you leave a five star review, 
on Apple with some words we'll read out loud on the next time in the show, as well as a comment on the episode on Spotify. And we actually have a couple on Spotify. So on our Summons E-Free episode is from Michael Barnes. Hey, all I'm back, LOL. While this time I got a question for you all, what is your favorite summon and why? Mine is Shiva because ice and I'm always hot. So yeah, LOL. Great job, all. Keep it up. That that I mean, we all know who Trey's favorite is. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. We all know it's Quincicottle. That's true. If we're talking about favorite summons, that's a tough one for me. It's either Bahamut or it's Ifrit. That, that, Fair it, enough. Yeah, it's a hard decision for me. It's tough. And it's every game is so much different. Like in some of the games, Odin is by far my favorite. I think he's the coolest. Um, but then other games, there's like there's Alexander, which is which is an awesome summon. And I I'm just gonna go so with um Anima from Tin. That's that's the best one. Okay. That's my so I'm uh Cuddle's not actually my favorite summon. Uh-huh. If I have to pick one. Um, it's also from 10. It is Veil 4. Uh, it's Yuna's first summon. Uh, it's He saves her when she jumps off the building uh, away from Seymour mm-hmm. uh, in that, that epic moment. And I, in that game, they just, the summoners and the summons have such strong bonds. That was her first summon. Um, and honestly, I didn't really care for the summons uh, in 7, 8, or 9. I liked the system in eight because you learn the abilities through them. But like in seven, you had to wait, like you just had to wait through the animations. And so for 10, it was the first time that I, I really cared, like cared for the summons. So my favorite would be Veil Four because I like, I, that was the first moment when I'm thinking, okay, what's the first moment, uh, a summon that pops into my head. That's always the first thing I think of is Veil Four swooping in for the save. Yeah, Tin definitely has the best summons. There's also like a lot of the hidden ones that you get, like Yo Jimbo and Anima is another one that you have to go go out of your way to get. Or the Major Sisters, like the Tin definitely is is like the high point for summons. And, I know you're gonna say fourteen, Ben, but I think it's Tin. And then uh, we do also have a comment on our Magic Part Three from Dan Hartman. Hi, my name is Dan. Just wanted to tell Ben to finish playing Final Fantasy IX because it's one of my favorite games of Final Fantasy. I love to play as a black mage like Vivi. Wow. Yes. Dan, <laughs> you're my new favorite listener. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, well, I'll try to when I have time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can join us. Uh, you can uh, help us get recognition through Spotify and Apple, just like those fine folk. And you can also join us on a couple discords. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net, as well as the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, which is my Discord server for all the shows that I host, including this show, Holocron Histories, the Wizarding World Lorecast, and now including the Witcher Lorecast. So a lot of fun talking about all that stuff. Definitely um, listen to the Witcher Lord cast. We we I I'm I'm not going to say anything yet <laughs> until I get more details. But oh, there's, stay there's no reason to say anything. You should listen to it. Ben's the new host, and I mean I think the Witcher got a lot of hate 
a lot of justified hate for for what happened with the TV series. But you guys don't just talk about the TV series. And even when you do talk about the TV series, you're not afraid to to call it like it is. Um, so if you like the Witcher universe, uh, it's recommended. Yeah, uh, yeah. Me and Toasty have very similar wavelengths when it comes to the Netflix show and a lot of things Witcher, which makes our banter so much more enjoyable. Um, not saying Tom was wasn't good, but Tom's great. Just just throwing that out there. Anyway, um, <laughs> if, Tom, if you're listening to this, I, I'm pretty sure that was been shooting shots right in your direction. Just. Aiming directly for your face. Unnecessary bit. Unnecessary, Benny. No, we're not doing that. But anyway, let's get back to Garuda. Alright, now that we're back, we are now jumping to Final Fantasy thirteen. So the Garuda Interceptor appears as a boss in the Lake Brasha. It is a Psycom bioweapon variant of the regular Vibrant enemies. The Final Fantasy XIII Ultimanium Omega reveals that Garuda was conceptualized as a Falci at some point during the development, but was ultimately scrapped in the final game. Yeah, so this is another thing where Garuda was just like, oh, yes, a lot of the other summons are essentially like weapons or airships of some sort kind of like 12 how they made them into airships yeah went went yep and then um now we have my favorite game final (laughs) fantasy 14 which is a lot um so garuda is a goddess worshipped by the elax elixol uh, also known as the Lady of Vortex, according to the origin myth believed by the Ixol, 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 they're beast tribe. It's a beast tribe. Uh, Garuda, Garuda once perished or presided over the floating continent of Aulian, uh alongside her divine soldiers, the Ixol themselves. But as the evils below began to encroach on a Alalian Garuda sent her Alaxel to cleanse the land below. To this day, Alaxel believe in their blessed Alalian and worship Garuda, often summon her as a primal. In reality, this is a story is a distorted version of the truth that the Alaxel were originally the Eliskelion, uh, chromatic soldiers of the Garuda regiment of the Algian Empire, which is just deployed from the floating research facility also lay by a general who used her soldiers to crush rebellions towards the empire. And if you go and play 14, the Allegan empire is an ancient empire that is long, long gone and extinct. And they're like, the only you see is ruins and relics of their time. Essentially, like if you play Mass Effect, it's like essentially like the Protheans. Or if you go and play the old Kotor games of Star Wars, it's like the Rakatans. Something like that. And then, among primals summoned by the tribes of the Azor- Eorzea, Garuda is one of the most capri. Carp- words. <laughs> 
Capricious. Capricious and volatile in her disdain for landwalkers, quote-unquote. In the original release of Final Fantasy XIV, she attacked Quarry Mill, unleashing strong winds over the hamlet and attacking all who dwelt there. Garuda could not be reached by the conventional means as her winds were too strong, requiring the adventurer to fashion a vortex catcher to help the Archon Louisois. After being defeated, Garuda excess ether was absorbed by the falling Dalamond. Which, that is the original 1.0 of the game, which does not exist anymore. So, be mindful of that. You will never experience that. Unless you go and watch it on YouTube. Mm. And in the relaunched Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, Garuda once again appears as a primal summoned by Alaxel, uh, who's defeated by the adventurer, reaching her with the help of Sid Garland. Upon being summoned again, Garuda was absorbed by the ultimate weapon, granting it an essence and control over the winds. Following the defeat of the ultimate weapon, the Alaxel summoned her repeatedly in their conflicts with the city-states of Eorzea, being stopped by the science of the Seventh Dawn. Sometime later, the Alaxel were almost able to summon Garuda again in their homeland of Zexalpultol, creating manifestations of her, but were stopped by the Warrior of Light. And then while in the first, uh, while attempting to restore the the ethereal balance to the empty, the Warrior of Light summoned the various primals aligned to the various elements and attempt to do so. During one such time, the warriors summoned Garuda and Ifrit primals based on their memories of their encounters. These primals were distinct from their regular appearances and eventually merged with the new primal Rakaposka. <laughs> and then when attempting cross the threshold of the planet to reach the Sea of Stars the and beyond, the Signs of the Seventh Dawn called upon the various tribes of Hydaelyn and performed summonings with the help of the Lopatris in order to fuel the spaceships of Ragnarok upon the summoned primals was Garuda, who disdained helping the Landwalkers in their quest, but was convinced by Susano to lend in their aid, which she did, relishing on her control of the winds. Garuda first appeared as a boss in the Howling Eye in Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, and the Howling High Hard, which is the, just the difficulty. In the relaunch, Realm Reborn, Garuda appears as a boss in Howling Eye, the Howling High Hard, the Howling High Extreme, a version of Garuda based on the Warrior Light's memories of the Prima, also appears in the Eden's Verse Feral and Eden's Verse Feral Savage. Variations of Garuda can be summoned by the summoner job, namely Garuda Edgy and the and Emerald Garuda, using the resultant ether of encounters with her. A Simulacum of Garuda can be summoned to instantly defeat all normal enemies within the deep dungeon in Heaven on High while using the Vortex magic site. A Garuda from another world appears in part of the Nocturne of Heroes Final Fantasy XV collaboration event, faced in a solo duty, Messenger of the Winds, as part of the Messenger of the Winds quest. Which you cannot do that anymore because they don't have that 15 collaboration in the game anymore. Darn. So, there was a lot. Garuda plays a pivotal role in in the main story of Realm Reborn, mainly. The story sounds excellent, and I mean, I'm slowly getting back to it, but I'm, I am glad that 
they are able to flesh it out after uh, the dismal start. But honestly, even the stuff before A Realm Reborn sounded pretty good with Garuda. So it seems like this was just going to be Garuda's game to shine no matter what. Yeah, so 1.014, the lore and the story was good. The mechanics of the game was what killed it. Because the mechanics and everything was crap. <laughs> the story yeah, the yeah. story and everything was pretty cool. Every time we read something about um, the 1.0 story, it always sounds fascinating. I'm like, well, that would have been fun to play. Yeah. If only they didn't have to basically scrap it and now over. right and you can get a lot of the lore in the realm reborn now and then you can actually some of the um end game base game stuff uh that deals with specifically with bahamut will go back and reference 1.0 uh quite a bit actually and you can even uh right now actually i think the event just ended for the uh, 10th anniversary event where you could get a phoenix mount that specific phoenix was from that bahamut raid so it's really cool stuff but um a lot uh, let's move on from 14 to 15 so two garudas appear in final fantasy 15 as part of the adventure from another world final fantasy 14 collaboration event added in patch 1.27 which this you can play because 15 is not an online game, so they don't scrap things or take things away. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's DLC. Well, it's, it's, it's it was through an update. Oh, okay. And because I'm playing it right now, so I <laughs> I just haven't run across that yet. So the same Garuda from Final Fantasy 14 gets summoned by a group. Uh, a world displaced Alaxol and functions as a boss during the event. Meanwhile, another Garuda known as the Messenger of the Winds is an ancient being once defeated by the Astrals in battle and sent into a long slumber. Her true name lost, she takes the name of the Evading Primal and aids Noctis in a similar way to the Astrals. Okay, this sounds awesome that you get to fight the Garuda from 14 and 15. Because I never yeah. experienced this in 15. I haven't either. I'm hoping to, though. I'm playing every single side quest and little bit of content so I can try and squeeze as much out of it and try and see hey, if I can get some of this cool lore that we're discussing. Don't, and don't forget the Assassin's Creed crossover they did. No, no. All that, I mean, the only thing I get out of that, I think, is an outfit which just comes as DLC, which I'll never use. Eh, you can, you can, use, right. a, you can use a hidden blade. Yeah, I'm not an Assassin's Creed guy. Sorry. <gasps> okay, well, we're going to move on. And last but not least is Final Fantasy 16. So Garuda, the Warden of the Wind, will appear as an icon in Final Fantasy 16, with her dominant being Benedicta Harmon. In addition, Clive Rosville can utilize her power in combat, allowing him to use her talents in battle. And that's it, because we're not going to spoil squat for that game yet. I mean, yeah, it pretty much just did, but not. yeah, I mean, but let, let's still like early game, very early game, yeah. Benedicta is one of the the highlights of the of the first half of the game for sure. Um, her personality, the voice, the way the voice actress is able to to put it to put it all together, 
Um, one of my favorite characters. And in preparation for this, I actually went on YouTube and found like the big fight that they have. It's and good. and I went back and I listened to it, and it's it's so it's just such fantastic storytelling. She her character has so much depth, and I mean I know we're not talking about her, we're talking about Garuda, but just the you will care about Garuda because you will care about Benedicta, even though you might not uh, be on the same side as her. No, <laughs> it, I will say it's the first time Garuda has ever stuck out to me because I didn't before we started this podcast. I didn't play fourteen. Um, I didn't get that far in fifteen, and she's not really that big of a deal. She's just kind of a common enemy in a lot of the games that I played a lot of. So. We've and, never... and and this is something different. Like this is something with sixteen is that they focus so heavily on the summons of the games, which are in the game are called icons. But regardless, they bring them to the forefront. Even if like, you play older Final Fantasies, if you don't play fourteen or anything like that, like they didn't really mean anything. They were just, hey, here's an ultimate attack you can use in battle. But that was it. Mm-hmm. To where now, like, b- besides 14 and 16, the, all the summons have a actual story plot to the game. Well, 10 does as well. Well, I mean, they other games do too, temples. but more in- intertwined with the story and heavily with it. Yeah, than, not as than yeah, most. 16, definitely the most. Yeah. It is basically I mean, the story. I would, say, I would say 10, 14, and 16 are the three at least modern ones that really the the summons are super important. Yep. Yeah. In terms of the story content. Nine a little bit. Not as I much mean, as the other ones. Right. I was gonna say nine a little bit, but not like not not as much. But I, I feel like 10, 14, and 16, they really they really take their time to to make the summons matter, not just in like use in battle but outside of battle um right. and and everything that goes with it right because like in seven they're not, they're not just airships yeah. no, no or in just seven where they're literally just seven it's literally just an attack it's just another piece of m- magic that you equip to yourself like they don't and you could put it on anybody that's why it makes it i feel like it makes it less special is Alexander really like? I mean, I know like the Knights of the Round Table. You go like, so you go and find it, but and then like Alex, but they they don't really have any story. I feel like with any of them, um, a they're kind of important because the GFs are are why you why your characters don't have a mem- they don't remember um certain things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Garuda finishing strong. I hope Garuda continues to to be important moving forward. Um, she has a really cool Quitsuc- right like the model in 16 is awesome and I love Quetzalcoatl but I don't think Quetzalcoatl is coming back so that's going to be like just, just my one love for Final Fantasy 8 and we can have a Garuda moving forward I am 100% good with that yeah Quetzalcoatl was a weird like one off I, th- I think that's the only game where that they're in and it's just kind of I don't understand why that was in there. It's just a random Aztec god. It's like, okay, now this is the wind person. Now. Like, All right, if you say so. Yep. Uh, but I don't want to attack Trey's favorite. 
<laughs> but there you have it. That is all that we have on Garuda for this episode. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add before we end the show? I got nothing. Nope. All right. Light work on Garuda today. We'll have a banger next week, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. The Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, the mobile game. I've been playing more of it because I've had some time at work where I've had to just like sit around for 10, 15 minutes. And it's really grown on me. It's grown on me a lot. I've been enjoying it. I haven't had to spend any money on it, and I've gotten most of the the things to unlock. Um, so if if you have a lot of free time, uh, or not even a lot, but like a lot of like 10, 15 minutes where you, you can play on your phone, and you want to do something other than scroll social media, you can go fight uh, with, with Zach, Cloud, Young Sephiroth, all, all sorts of, of stuff. It, it's enjoyable. So mm-hmm. I, I recommend it. And it adds more lore for Sephiroth, which is really cool. So oh, I mean, yeah, but I'm not there yet. I'm still grinding my guys, my, my levels. That's fair. I haven't touched it since. In, in true time. in true RPG fashion, I'm grinding my, my characters to be super overpowered so that way I can just steamroll everything. That's where I'm at with 15 right now. I'm literally, like I mentioned, I'm playing every single side quest, so I'm literally like 15 levels above where the main quest is right now. And I'm enjoying it. I think I was just thinking it while I was playing it today. Um, it really is a beautiful game. I think it honestly th- looks better than 16 even as you're driving around. Just the landscapes, I think, look a lot better. Um, I don't know. It's, I'll try and take some screenshots and send them because they do. I think they look better. 16 is very blah. It's very sad. It's very war torn. You know, it's very like. For Witcher fans, it's the villain. Yeah. Like, yes, it's uh. it's a very war-torn world where 15 is very free. Very, you know. It's the Toussaint of Witcher. <laughs> yeah, <it's the> Toussaint. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that is all we have for the Witcher... Or for, not for the Witcher lore cast. That's my other show. For the Final <laughs> Fantasy lore cast... Uh, Thank you for listening, and may the crystals guide you. Thank you for listening to the Final Fantasy Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on Twitter at FFLorecast. And you can email us at FFLorecast at gmail.com.